0: Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. Let's pray. And I'm going to pray because we're going to want to have the power of God at work here in this conversation around evangelizing because I know you might be tempted to say, oh no, let me turn this program off before I get convicted that I'm not doing enough or I'm not doing something. No, I'm not just going to lay a heavy burden on your shoulders. What I'm going to do today is actually lay out 14 different ways to evangelize, yes, fourteen principles and practices for proclaiming the gospel. These are things that you can do. Okay, so it's not just you're going to hear about a duty. It is a duty, but you're going to do more than that. We're going to hear about why it's so important, and then how we can actually do it. How we probably are doing it and didn't realize it, but we, how we might also be on the lookout for sharing the gospel with others. In order to do that well, we better be praying. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord our God, mighty King, glorious Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. We ask your blessing upon our lives. We ask that you would draw close to us, And give us an enthusiasm for the gospel. Give us an enthusiasm for you. Lord, help us never to be ashamed of the gospel. But help us to realize it is the power of God breaking forth for the salvation of souls. Lord, give us again the grace of hearing the gospel in a fresh new way and of being heralds of your good news. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Those of you that, that don't know me well or haven't been around in the work that I've done in my um, life in ministry, my life as a, as a layman doing the work of the apostolate, being sent forth, um, where I began and where I was uh, found the, my greatest sense of passion and uh, commitment was around the work of evangelizing, right? Evangelize comes from a Greek verb that means to proclaim good news, right? To proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, to proclaim Jesus Christ and his good news, right? That's, That's a call that we have. And you probably know this, Jesus had the great commission, right? Matthew chapter 28, right? Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel, right? Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them everything I've commanded you until the end of the age. And I will be with you always until the end of the age. So that's called the Great Commission. You've probably heard of that. And if you've ever been to talks on evangelization, you know that uh, the the standard humor is to refer to it as the Great Omission, right? How many Catholics do you know that have a passion for sharing the gospel of jesus christ talking about jesus introducing others to jesus bringing jesus christ and the beauties of the gospel the good news of jesus into conversations into situations that we face every day we hesitate we hold back we often are afraid we feel ill-equipped and yet it still stands out there not only as if this is not enough the great commission that the church is given by Christ as a task in every age, but there's more. In addition, it's what? It's the mission of the church. It's the very reason for being. The church exists in order to do what? The church exists in order to evangelize, in order to bring the good news of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God that broke into the world through Christ and the invitation to become children of God freed from the corruption of sin and the effects of sin, both original sin and personal sin, and the new life that is ours as children of God through baptism and entry into the church. This This is why the church exists, to bring every human being, into the awareness that they've been created by a loving God who's Father, Son and Holy Spirit, who has come close to the world because we've been fallen, we've fallen, we've fallen far from Him, and he longs to set us free. He longs to elevate us beyond creatures of God, into the reality that we're children of God, with His spirit living in us to cry out, "Abba Father, too many people, so many people, so many Catholics walk around with an existence that is diminished that is darkened, that is overwhelmed by the burdens of the day. Too many of us Catholics allow sin to cling to us, or we pursue sin, and it introduces wreckage into our lives. And the Lord wants to set us free. He wants to cleanse us of that unrighteousness. And so this work of evangelizing, this work of going out into the highways and the byways to and, and, and That doesn't, as you know, what that means is go out into the circumstances and situations where you're planted, where you're, you don't have to go to another country unless that's your call. My daughter's in Romania to proclaim the gospel, to bring Jesus Christ to Romanians, and then she'll be in Swaziland, right? I want her to have a sense of saying, dedicate this time in your life to Jesus Christ and his gospel. Grow as a disciple and go forth as an apostle. Grow as a disciple, go forth as a witness. Grow into more fully that new creation that God intended you to be. Allow him to unbind you and set you free and let your light shine. Not keep it under a bushel basket, but be salt that brings flavor. Bring leaven that will cause the whole mass to rise to bring light where there's darkness, salt, light, and leaven. That's your life. That is the opportunity that God has given you in your life. It is your fundamental duty. This is all the teaching of the Church, by the way. This is not Tom Curran's pet theory. Read Ad Gentes from Vatican II. Read the apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Nunciandi, which is on the proclamation of the gospel in our time. And this, uh, and then read Mission of the Redeemer from John Paul II. Read uh, The Joy of the Gospel by Pope Francis, right? There's so much that flows from the Second Vatican Council through the different popes that reinforce and attempt to invigorate this great work of proclaiming Jesus Christ. And to realize why this is so important, is that if you're hearing this and you know the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the good news that his kingdom has come, has broken into your life, has set you free, you know joy, you know peace, you know light, you know a way out of uh, the darkness of sin and the bondage of sin, you know a path to reconciliation and, and peace and, and right relationship with God. These, these are immense treasures, enormous blessings that many people around you don't know. And it's not only that you have a duty to proclaim Jesus in this great commission, it's the mission of the church, the reason for being, the reason why the church exists. People have a right to hear the gospel. People have a right to hear the gospel. And we have no right to keep it from them. And I know that sounds odd, that, that sounds surprising, I'm betting, because we don't often think about the idea that people have a right to hear the gospel. We tend to think that, oh, people have a right to follow their conscience in religious matters. People have a right to, be, uh, ha- to have their own particular path that they're walking not be imposed upon. Uh, we don't have a right to impose the gospel upon people, that's proselytizing. That's true. We we don't have a right to impose the gospel. But we do have a call. We do have a duty. We do have a mission to propose Jesus Christ. And are we doing that or are we ashamed to mention Jesus? Are we afraid to bring up Jesus? Are we held back because we don't know what to do when it comes to introducing Jesus Christ into conversations, into situations that are stuck and broken and and struggling and, and people feel lost and let down. Jesus is the only way to salvation. He's the only truth that will ever set anyone free. And if you know Jesus and you experience the freedom that comes from being in relationship with Christ, if you receive communion, you go into confession, you come to a place of worship, do you understand the blessing, the treasure, the enormous gift that you've been given? And that gift, the Lord gives you because he loves you. But he's not only given it to you, he's given it to you for others. He's given it for their sake, not only for yours. And so, our call is to be ready. Our call is to be open. Our call is to be receptive, to be a witness, to to give evidence, to share the story of how Christ has impacted our lives, so that others might be drawn into those same blessings. You have no idea the incredible blessing you will be to someone's life if you can find the courage and you can feel the confidence to speak the precious name of Jesus. You see, the church teaches, it's in the catechism, when you speak the name Jesus, he becomes present when you speak the name Jesus, he becomes present. And so when you, with affection, devotion, with fervor, with gentleness, say to someone, I'm praying for you. I'm praying to Jesus that he will come close to you. And that's a lot. Let me, let me just start back at, (laughs) I mentioned I've got 14 principles and practices for proclaiming the gospel. Okay, this is how to evangelize. All right, hopefully you have heard my little fervorino, my little uh, fevered pitch uh, uh, preaching at you that your call is to share the gospel. Well, Okay, you said, Tom, you weren't going to overwhelm us with just the call and the duty to do it. You can also help us figure out how to do it. I'm with you. Okay, we're going to go through 14. We really are. Let's start then. Let's start with the first principle for proclaiming the gospel. And, and it's the answer to the question, who actually evangelizes? Who is it that actually does do this work of sharing the gospel? And the answer is those who are touched. Those who are touched. Those who have had an encounter with the living Lord Jesus. Think about it. Who are the ones that go off proclaiming in the gospel? The woman at the well, it's the one that had the encounter, the one that was touched, the one that was seen, named, known. She was known to come and see the person who told me everything there is to know about me. But everybody already knew she'd been married five times and the guy she was living with wasn't her husband. That's why she was at the, the, uh, the well at noon when no one else would be there. She could be all by herself. And here she is trying to put off Jesus with her language. Jesus breaks through it all and says, I see you, I know you, and I accept you and she runs and leaves her water jar behind. She's an evangelist. She was touched. The blind man, Bartimaeus, cries out, cries out, cries out, and what does Jesus do? Eventually, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see. Receive your sight. And what does he do? He follows Jesus up the road. The man, the, the, the Jerusalem demoniac, Right, who well, chains couldn't even keep him bound. In Mark chapter 5, he was living among the tombs. He was alive, but among the dead, until he, Jesus, and he comes running up to him, and he says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Have you come to destroy us? Are you here to destroy me? And Jesus casts out the demons. That's how deep the encounter was. That's how profound the meeting was. Jesus casts away all that is evil. And what does the guy do? He's sitting there, sane, at his feet dressed, back in his right mind. And what does he want to do? He wants to follow Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Go tell everyone what the Lord in his mercy has done for you. And when Jesus comes back to that same area again, there's a huge crowd waiting to meet Jesus because he became an evangelist. He was deeply touched. What's my encouragement to you? Realize that you will never evangelize until you allow the Lord to deeply touch you, touch you so profoundly that you have no choice. There'll be an interior impulse that says, I must share the good news of who this living God is and what he has done for me. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you. Today I'm talking about the glorious call, the magnificent call that you have and I have to proclaim the gospel, to share our faith in Jesus Christ with others. It's not intended by Christ to be a heavy burden. It's meant to be something that's beautiful, something that will bring us life Bring us something that is a, a, really a, a great adventure, is is what it is. When I think about uh, the opportunities that the Lord has given me in well forty years now, of being a, an adult follower of Christ and being engaged and active, it it it's all because the Lord touched me deeply. And and if that. By itself sounds foreign to you, if that sounds strange to you, where you cannot come trace back your own life of faith to deep or life-changing encounters with Jesus Christ, then please ask for one. Ask for an encounter with Jesus Christ, like Simon Peter. Simon in the middle of his workplace, where did Simon encounter Jesus Christ and become Peter? Where did it, where did that happen? In his workplace, what was Simon? A fisherman. Where did he have that encounter? Where was he touched by Jesus? Well, when he was spent, when he had nothing left, when he was empty, when he had worked hard all night and caught nothing. And then Jesus said, after he had finished cleaning the nets, let me get in your boat, go away from shore so I can preach from the boat. So literally from the workplace, Jesus is there right in the midst of that, preaching the gospel. And then he says to Peter, go out into the deep, you know the story. And it was there, cast your nets off the side to the catch. Here's Jesus in the wrong place at the wrong time, casting the nets in the wrong way. And gets a catch of fish that is far overwhelming, greater than he has ever known, so much so they had to get another boat, filled the boats, and what does Peter do? He was so deeply touched. The glory of God was so profoundly manifested and impacted his life, he fell down and said, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. The glory of God was so overwhelming that came through that event that Peter was changed forever. Pray for that. I'm serious. Ask the Lord. Ask Peter. Peter, pray for me. I need to have a fish full, a net full of fish encounter. I want to have an encounter with you, Jesus, that makes me fall to my knees and says, Leave me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Zacchaeus, Zechar. sorry, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus? Up in the tree, right? The, 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 the small guy up in the tree because he couldn't see jesus and he jesus comes and sees him and says i'm going to eat dinner with you he's the he's the tax collector right and he is so deeply touched in the course of a meal in his own home that he says i'm going to give payback four times anybody that i've robbed anybody that i've i've uh mistreated right at his home in his dinner and invite christ invite christ into your workplace to have an encounter with you invite christ into your into your work into your home into the meals that you have right there jesus please I want to be that touched by you that i proclaim the gospel we've already said the woman well at, at work uh the blind man bartabeus at his point of need jesus walked by jesus was passing by right at his point of need uh the the two men on the road to emmaus Right, they, here they are arguing about Christ uh, on Easter Sunday, thinking that the mission is done, that Christ has died. Now they've heard stories that He's risen, and they're arguing with each other. Right in the middle of an argument, Jesus appears to them, breaks bread with them, and they recognize it's Him. Right in the middle of an argument, Jesus come, become manifest in the middle of the arguments that we're facing, the, the conflicts we have in our lives. Peter betrays Jesus. And Jesus denies him three times, not betrays him, denies him three times. And then Jesus, after he rises from the dead, comes and confronts him at the point of his denial, the place where he fails Jesus, right there, he has that encounter. Those are the ones who actually evangelize. If we don't evangelize, it's because we haven't been touched deeply enough. It's really not that complicated. If we are not enthusiastically looking for opportunities to introduce people to Jesus Christ and introduce Jesus into the lives of those that are around us. If we are not actively enthusiastic about doing that, it's frankly because we haven't been touched deeply enough. It really, if you won the lottery, if you won that billion-dollar lottery, you'd be But well, maybe you wouldn't be telling everybody— <laughs> But you get it. You hear that story, kind of story all the time. When you have something that's so great that's happened to your life, it's such good news, you just want to tell everybody and you can't contain yourself. Have, ask Jesus for an encounter with him that is so profound that it becomes uncontainable. That you can't keep him to yourself. And you can't keep that to yourself. That's the first one. If we don't get that one right, none of these other ones are going to make any difference. Because they're all just tactics and principle uh, practices at that point, right? All those things, helpful as they are, got to get this one right. Do it in adoration. Do it in your morning prayer. Do it in your night prayer. Do it as you're driving to work. Do it during your lunchtime. Do it during moments when you're in distress. Do it in the moments when you're about to have your meal. Just give him every opportunity. I'm going to pray for you. That's it. I'm praying for you and for me. Lord Jesus Christ, I beg you i ask and i seek and i knock for myself and for each and every dear one listening with me my dear brothers and sisters in christ i beg you jesus please do not hold back we acknowledge that in revelation 3 you said you're knocking at the door you're standing at the door of our lives and knocking lord we open the door to you and we say come in come into our lives come into our relationships come into our families come in so profoundly come in with such a, a mighty manifestation that we will be changed that we will be set aflame with the fire of your holy spirit to tell others about you lord jesus change our lives change our destinies change our outlook change us o oh lord make us so alive with the gospel that we become this very gospel That we proclaim. Please do it, Lord. Please remove any obstacle, any blockage, any resistance, any rebellion, anything, Lord, that makes us hold back, ignore it, overcome it, break through it, go around it, work with us despite it, Lord. We don't deserve it. Please, a fresh new way, a deeper way, a surprising way. Have your way, O Lord, but make us fervent heralds of you in this moment in history. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, that's number one. (laughs) I got 13 more to go. I'm going to have to go faster. Okay, the first question was, who, who actually evangelizes? It's those that are touched. Okay, I think we covered that. The second one, how do you evangelize? Well, there's a there's a whole teaching in here, but I'm going to cover it quickly. How do you how do you actually evangelize? Is it by the words you speak? Is it by the things you do, or is it something even deeper? The answer is yes. Yes, it's by the words you speak. Right, you you speak the name of Jesus, right? You you bring the gospel. You it's not just kind words. It's that too. It's not just being. Uh, an example of how you use language in in speech. Yes, it's all of that too, but it's also actually mentioning Jesus. And we'll talk more about that. But second, deeds, yes, right? If you're bringing the words of Jesus, of Christianity, of of the Catholic faith to others, and you're not living it, no power. In fact, we become a scandal, an anti-witness. So by word, by deed, and by the person you are, that's, John Paul II said that. You evangelize not only by word and by deed, but most profoundly by the person you are. Remember what the phrase I used just, to, when you become so deeply touched by the gospel that you become the gospel. You just show up. You want to know what the good news is like? You want to know what it's like when Christ comes and his kingdom breaks into a life? Hang around. Just hang around. And it'll radiate off of who we are. Paul, St. Paul talks about the aroma of Christ that shows up when we show up. St. Paul talks about that blinding glory of Christ that shines on our faces where Moses came down from the mountain when his encounter with God, they had to put a veil over his face. So we now have unveiled faces looking upon Jesus Christ. We will radiate with his glory because we become the gospel. There, that's how you're going to evangelize. By the person you are, yes, and by the deeds you do and the words you speak. Okay, number three. How do we evangelize? Well, realize... Your message is not your own. Your message isn't your own. You are an angel. Woo! I like that, right? Think of the role of an angel. Angel means messenger. The Lord is going to make you an angel for someone in your life. The Lord's going to use you to be an angel for someone else's life. I mentioned at the very beginning of the program, Carrie challenged me. I was telling her about this conversation, recounting a conversation I had, and this person was saying, I need help. I am in distress. And I said to Carrie, wow, I need to put up a boundary here, just kind of keep this person at arm's length. And she said, what are you talking about? Didn't you think that maybe God brought this person into your life so that you could reach out with the gospel? so that you could be supportive of this person. This person's at a point of need. This person's at a point where they're they're maybe not accustomed to being in a broken situation where something's gone wrong. And what do you want to do, walk away? No, this is your chance to to jump in, to say, how can I support you? How can I help you? How can I, And, and that'll be an open door, Tom. That'll be the place where Christ can come in Do you have any idea what God has given to you? That was very challenging. God has people in your life around you that you might think, oh, what a burden. This person is a pain. This person is not pleasant. Or why is this person around right now? And it might be because the Lord has brought you to be in this person's life to be his messenger. So pray about that. Pray for that person. Pray for that Lord for whom am I your angel Lord for whom am I your angel and Lord give me the grace to recognize the opportunity that you're giving me and Lord please help me to realize prompt me with the right words the things to say Lord I, I want to be your me- I want to be your messenger I want to be your angel pray for that Pray that you'll be his in- now what a great way to start your day. Lord, today, if you would have me be your angel, I'm in. Just give me a sense. Give me a sense. My message is not what I want. It's what you want. You give me the message, I'll carry it. Okay, this brings me to the fourth principle. The fourth of these 14 principles and practices for sharing the gospel, for proclaiming the gospel. The fourth one is know your role and the Holy Spirit's role. Your role is to make present the kingdom of God in the way that God intends. Lord, how would you have me make present your kingdom here and now? Lord, how would you have me present, demonstrate, manifest your kingdom in this circumstance? Holy Spirit, you take the lead. I'm not going to decide it's by doing this versus doing that, saying this versus saying that, stepping out and taking this action versus taking this action, right? It, is it, am I supposed to challenge? Am I supposed to affirm? Am I supposed to celebrate? Am I supposed to speak words of conviction? Am I supposed to press in and say, you need to repent, you know, a challenging thing to hold someone accountable? That's a sin. You shouldn't be doing that. Or is it, am I supposed to gently step in and say, are you doing okay? The, the, everything doesn't seem right. Know your role and the Holy Spirit's role. It's like, what I think about, like a lot of these folks that I'm serving in real estate, I, I do pray for them. And I'm saying, Lord, please, I I want to be a gift to them. I, I want, Lord, I believe that if you brought me into their lives to help them with this real estate situation, it's so much more than about their real estate. It's about their lives. So Lord, in whatever way you would have, please help me to be a gift, your gift to them. And and that's it. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Help me to serve them and be a gift. So you can do that. What's your role? What's the Holy Spirit's role? Because sometimes we'll want to step in and say, Lord, I I know what this person needs. You can kind of sit this one out. I've been here quite a while. I know how to do this. No, that's when we get in trouble. And so you want to be docile. You want to be receptive. You want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Make present the kingdom of God in a way that God intends. Okay, number five. Well, number five is it's time to take a break. <laughs> I've got number 5 of 14 principles and I'm going to dive into these next few. They're they're quicker and I'll get through those, but we got to take a break first. I'll be back in just a minute with more sound insight. Welcome back to the program. How do we evangelize? We're all called to proclaim the gospel. That's what evangelize means, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, the redemption that he won. That means he sets us free to become elevated into the reality that we're children of God, crying out, Abba, Father, because his spirit lives in us. We have a sense of the destiny that is ours, life in heaven. If we know these good gifts from our infancy, if we've lived this life from our youngest years, if we've grown up in a Catholic home We don't realize the fact that not everybody has that light, that peace, that strength, that sense of God's presence, that sense of God's power, that sense of meaning, that sense of a horizon that goes beyond this world. Do you realize the gift you've been given? And remember, that gift has been given to you because he loves you, but it's not only for you. It's also for the sake of others. What he's given to you, he's given you on behalf of others. And so that means we need to undertake this duty, but undertake it out of love. That's my fifth principle. Love people more than evangelization. Love people even more than the act of proclaiming the gospel. I know that sounds odd, but... You're called to be an evangelist, not a salesman. Have you ever met someone who loved the work of talking about Jesus more than actually paying attention to you and listening? It was almost as if you were just an excuse for them to give their pitch or to give their, uh, you know, the thing that they were so fired up about um, in terms of explaining the gospel or or. Uh, proselytizing or whatever, but took no sense of time to get to know you. No. Love people more than evangelizing. But that doesn't mean don't love evangelizing. (laughs) It just means that you're an evangelist. You're proclaiming the gospel to someone, being sent by someone, more than the act itself. That's number five. Because it's a put-off if you don't. You know that. Number six, I already shared this one earlier. Propose the gospel. Don't impose the gospel. Don't force it. It's funny. I, we had some friends. Uh, it, we invited them to come to watch a, uh, a game at the Oaks. And uh, we call them the Catholic refugees. They were one of the Catholic refugee families that moved this way, and they wanted to come and watch my boys and my daughter play. And so we were in the stands, and Kerry was visiting with her and um, this this woman, uh, and Carrie left her to go say hi to someone else and left her talking to another parent. And it was really cute because when Carrie got back after the game, this woman, this Catholic refugee said, she said, you know, I I don't think she thought I was saved because she was telling me, do you know, you know, she was basically evangelizing me and asking me if I knew Jesus. (laughs) I love that. First of all, I just love the fact that, in the stands you could have someone whose heart is so attuned to the idea that says I love you so much I want you to be saved I love you so much I want to make sure that you know Jesus and if if we have an opportunity this might be my only chance to talk to you I want to just just bring that up and somehow get that into the conversation and you know and it was a gentle like maybe it was like in the in the gray shaded area between proposing the gospel and imposing the gospel um but there was like seek every opportunity and it, it was really it was it was it was darling it was very endearing to be honest with you she wasn't offended at all cuz it wasn't a hard sell all right number 7 we're going to get through 14 14 ways to proclaim the gospel so propose don't impose and this actually leads to the next one which is environmental evangelization. Kerry really should be giving this one. Environmental evangelization means everything from, oh, when you dress, do you um, wear a crucifix? Do you uh, wear a scapular? Do you, um, uh, not that you wear a rosary around your neck, but um, basically the way you're showing up, right? Like a lot of folks would maybe wear a flag, American flag or maybe like a lot of folks in pro-life would, would have the, the d- tiny baby's feet, right? They would wear that as a pin to raise that awareness. A dear friend of mine who loves the Lord, uh, he was a very committed uh, evangelist. He would wear a crucifix and it was a sizable one. And he did it because he knew it was an opportunity to enter into conversation, like hey why are you wearing that and that what he was ready to go environmental evangelization but also means the environment of your home you come into our home it's not going to take you very long to figure out we're catholic <laughs> is it the big painting of the Blessed Mother holding the baby Jesus? Is it the enthroned sacred heart and immaculate heart? Is it the candles with the little thurible, the incenser? Is it the, uh, the icons? Is it right, the, the Bible and the liturgy of the hour? Like, okay, so it's the environment. Right? Your, the way that your home is designed, it, it puts on display what's important to you. So environmental evangelization. Now, if we talk about the workplace, I know there are rules that make things limited, but insofar as it's permitted, don't miss the opportunity to bring that aspect of your life out into the open. And so environmental evangelization. Uh, Number eight, I'm getting there. Number eight is pray and expect. Pray and expect. This is a kind of evangelization that uh, that was, I, I would say, probably epitomized by a fellow named John Wimber. He was one of he was in leadership, maybe a founder of Vin, the Vineyard Churches in Southern California, and he wrote a book called Power Evangelism, and it was basically promoting a kind of evangelization, a kind of work of proclaiming the gospel that was based on the in-breaking moment that God establishes for an encounter, a divine appointment, Uh, what is sometimes called kairos evangelization. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Here's the moment of breaking in and breaking open. It's not an ordinary moment. Be open, pray for, and expect kairos moments, Moments where the Lord says, now's the time. And and the Lord will actually grace and gift people, anoint them with spiritual giftings specifically associated with kairos evangelism, kairos evangelization. Things like, I have a sense that I'm supposed to come up and talk to you and, and I'm supposed to bring up this topic or this name is coming to me or I'm supposed to say something to you. There's a word of the gospel that, and this happened to me the other night. I was talking with someone on the phone, someone I'm helping in real estate, and this person brought up uh, the context of faith. Sure enough, she knew that I was involved in faith, right? Uh, and and this wasn't a person that knew me from the radio. It was a person who found me online, but I don't hide the fact that I'm a person of faith. And so... Um, this reality of uh, Kairo's evangelism showed up. and I started to talk to her about uh, a particular passage in the gospel. And what was so cool was that I referenced the raising of Lazarus from the dead and I mentioned that Lazarus means one whom God helps. And what she said was, "Oh my goodness, that is so confirming. I was just in some kind of seminar or some faith-based like retreat thing where, the theme of, do you let God help you? Do you let God come and help you? And she was just praying through that, that do I really let God help me? And I struggle with that. And then when I brought up this, hey, you're Lazarus, you're one whom God helps. It was beautifully confirming. And so that's evangelizing, right? Because what does that do? It it gives this realization, this confirmation, That God's the living God and God sees me and knows me and is involved in my life. So God can use you for those kind of kairos moments. Pray for that. Pray for the Lord to bless you with these anointings, these spiritual giftings to be useful to him in the work of evangelizing in the now moment. Pray for divine appointments. Lord, I'm open to it you got my calendar. Give me a divine appointment today. And you'll get a sensitivity to what God is doing in the moment when he blesses you like that. You'll begin to get a sense of what the Lord is saying to you. This brings me to the ninth of the ways to evangelize. And then and actually the next three are all around evangelizing in conversation. These next three. There's evangelizing in conversation through listening, through sharing your story, and through sharing Christ's story. They're all about listening. Uh, I'm sorry, they're all about conversation. Um, So through listening, through sharing your story, and through sharing Christ's story. When we come back, I'll break open each of those. Again, today on the program, we're digging into how to evangelize, and I'm sharing 14 principles and practices drawn from our life of faith on how to share the gospel. Back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you. So sharing the gospel is the theme for today. I'm excited. I've got some guests coming up next week. I've got Sister Mary Eucharista from the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center. She's going to be on, she's going to be sharing some of her favorite books on, spir- on the spiritual life, on prayer, discernment, spiritual direction, and also talking about certain prayer forms, all to help us grow in our relationship with the Lord. Remember, to help you get touched more deeply. So Sister Mary Eucharista is going to be on. Uh, On Monday, I'll be on with these wonderful good priests of ours. I think Father Nagel and Father Lewis are both available on Monday, so that's exciting. We haven't had a program with the three of us for a while. And then um, there's also a a, a priest coming on, um, maybe probably next week, in anticipation for, believe it or not, Ash Wednesday lent. It's just a couple short weeks away. Ugh, can you believe it? All right. Sorry, I'm going to have to stop it there because I have more to say. I promised 14, and I'm going to get through 14. So I mentioned evangelizing and conversation. The first is listening. And, And when I say listening, it's really listening deeply to someone. Sometimes we want to step in too quickly and do our talking, right? But the first place where we're listening is to the Lord, Listening to the Lord in your heart, in conscience, you'll, as you grow in your capacity to discern, as you have that expectant faith that the Lord's going to break into this moment, you become attuned to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You will become sensitized. You'll become more aware of and alert to what the Lord is saying in your life. Now, there's a drama involved here. You know what that drama is? It's the drama of discipleship. Very specifically, it's this. Not only will the Lord be prompting you to listen to him when it comes to the beautiful, glorious act of proclaiming the gospel, but also when it comes to the more mundane and crucifying act of dying to self, repenting of sin, uh, battling against temptation, and not resisting his grace. The Lord is going to prompt us to give of ourselves and to choose what is difficult, not very pleasant, basically to choose the cross and follow him. And if, if we're going to be wanting to be fruitfully used by him when it comes to sharing the gospel with others, then listening to others is going to be traced back to listening to him in prayer and in our own life as disciples, or we're not going to be very receptive to others with the Spirit of Christ. Well, when we're evangelizing in conversation, it's not just listening to others, listening to them, giving them space to tell their stories after the manner of, remember now, trace back to our lives as disciples, listening to the Lord. But it also means sharing your story. Now, sharing your story is called giving a testimony, giving a three-minute sharing about a witness, right? This is where I was. This is what God did to break in. And now this is where I'm at. So learning to share your story, to give your testimony, is a very important thing. It's a very important part of learning to share the gospel. Because if you can have at hand a ready conversation that says, you know what? Back when I was 18, my faith was being challenged by a couple of friends of mine that left the Catholic Church, came back and said, because I was Catholic, I was going to hell. I went up to the parish and I talked to Father uh, Riley, who said to me, come and go out to the uh, chapel and ask Jesus to show himself to you because he's really there. And when I did, he broke into my life and he changed my life. He set me on fire to read the scriptures, to pray the rosary, to grow in faith. And my life has never been the same that's a testimony. I just shared a story. I was, God did, I am. Learn that story. Be ready and quick to share a story about how your life came alive in faith, about how you overcame a particular sin in your life, or about a time when your faith was tested and God got you through. The third one is evangelizing conversation by sharing Christ's story, not just by listening to others, not just by sharing your story, but by sharing Christ's story. Now that means knowing a little bit about the core of the gospel. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Our life here on earth is not our forever home. Heaven is our home. We've got to get through the door of death, but life on earth ends in death apart from Christ. Christ is risen from the dead, and he died your death for you on the cross, and he wants to take away all that separates you from himself, from growing in the life that he intends for you. He is a loving God who wants to draw close and be your good shepherd. You have to be able to tell that story in your way. Um, Number 12 is evangelizing through community. This is what I call the home court advantage evangelizing through community, the home court advantage. You see, no one has all the gifts. And because no one has all the gifts, that means we have to rely on others. And in relying on others, that means that if I don't know all the answers to the questions or if I've realized, oh, you know what, my life circumstance is very different than yours, I can point them to someone who shares a similar experience. And by doing that, I'm taking advantage of the body of Christ. There's different gifts. And if I'm not able to reach everybody, I don't have to. I know that you're really good at being able to sympathize or empathize or, or speak light into the circumstance that that person has because you're in a similar circumstance. You've been where they are and you can help them realize that they can come to be where you are and even better. So the home court advantage is also the beautiful way in which Christ dwells in the midst of his people radiating his glory, a sense of his presence, a sense of his peace, a sense of his joy, a sense of his light, those realities come alive when you're in the community of faith. How beautiful it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. Right? So create those opportunities where people of faith are there and others are invited into that circumstance so they can taste and see how good the Lord is. All right, that was number 12. If you can believe it i'm going to get there number 13 evangelizing through prayer and th- that's actually the last two the first number 13 is by praying for someone and number 14 is by praying with someone i saved the hardest for last but sometimes the most incredible for last so evangelizing through prayer is the obvious one it's the saint monica right Praying for someone is is a work of evangelizing. It's intercession. It's you going before the Lord on their behalf. And you're saying, Lord, please bless that person with faith. Lord, please break through their darkness. Lord, break through their stubbornness. Lord, break through their rebellion. Break through their resistance. Lord Jesus, please don't hold back. Lord, what can I do? Please give me the grace to offer prayer fervent prayer for them. Let me receive communion for them. Let me pray a rosary for them. Let me fast for them. Let me deny myself some comfort for them so that they will come to faith. And don't stop. You be like that neighbor at night who has a friend come and they don't have any food. So you knock on the neighbor's door until they get up out of bed. Go away. It's We're all in bed. No, I can't. I'm going to keep knocking until you get up and give me some food for my friends that have just arrived. You'd be like that importunate widow who comes and pesters the unjust judge to find favor, to settle, on her, uh, to settle on her side. You be like that until the Lord answers. This is how Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. You do that. You keep praying. And the last is praying with someone. That's a little more advanced. But praying with someone can be something as simple as, you know what, why don't we just say an Our Father right now? Or if you feel more comfortable, you say a prayer for them. And that's a little trickier. That has a, a lot more complexities to it. I would say keep it simple. You can just fold your hands. You don't have to touch them. You don't put your hands on their head. You don't have to do any of that. But you can just say a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing about this encounter with Dave. I ask, Lord, you to bless him. Lord, you hurt his need. Just please answer his heart's cry. Be with him, Lord, in surprising ways. Help him, Lord. Something like that. That can be so beautiful and so powerful. And so life giving. God can use people who are at broken places and difficult situations, in times and in moments that are very hard for them. And the Lord can use those to set people free, to bring light into darkness. And He can use us for that too. So, those are, that's number 14. So, going back to the beginning, how do we evangelize? How do we actually proclaim the gospel? Well, the first is, who who actually evangelizes? Those that are touched. Ask the Lord to touch you so deeply that you must proclaim the gospel. How do you do this? How do you actually evangelize? By word and deed. Yes, but by the person you are. Pray that the Lord would make you the gospel, that you'd become the gospel, and that that would be made manifest in your words and deeds. Number three, remember that you're an angel your message is not your own you're not supposed to bring your message your pet theory the doctrine that you like the most no you're there you're being sent by the lord you find out what it is he would have you say number 4 know your role and the holy spirit's role which is to make present the kingdom of god in the way that god intends so defer and, and be docile to the role of the spirit number 5 love people more than evangelization you are an evangelist not a salesman number 6 Propose the gospel. Don't impose it. Not proselytizing. Inviting. Number seven, environmental evangelizing. Remember, make your home, make your environment reflective of the gospel. Number eight, kairos evangelizing. Divine appointments. Pray for them and expect them. And then evangelizing in conversation by listening, by sharing your story, by sharing Christ's story. Number 12, take, uh, use the home court advantage. Bring people into the setting where there are other believers that will shine the light of Christ. And then the last two, pray for someone and pray with someone. I did it. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.